I kind of want to just get started with uh, this is Kyle Boone. He works CBS Sports and and uh, and kind of chat a little bit and go from there. Yeah, it's it's weird too because like I'm from Tulsa. I don't make it to the scrums and Stillwater that often anyway. So from that perspective, I'm somewhat estranged to like the Stillwater media too. Um, and we've crossed paths before, and I've seen you in the press box. I've been to a few games from time to time, and I always say hi. You always say hi, but yeah, there's never like that. Hey, let's like chill and like go grab a drink or whatever, you know? Absolutely. So like, I, I totally get that. And, uh, I get the old, like you're getting old, um, you're getting a little soft. Um, <laughs> I get that. Like, um, right. and, and from my perspective too, you know, it's like you, you go through something that's difficult and you're like, okay, you know, like you start reevaluating, like what's important, like relationships are important, like getting to know people, like trying to make an impact on people is important. So like, I appreciate that, um, that you're honest about it. Like, that's really cool. And you want to try and build relationships while you still can. Um, right. I totally get the, uh, the, the, the side that you're coming from too, which is you've, you've made a lot of people mad. I've made a lot of people mad too. I don't know if you remember last year, but there was a time where I was like, avoiding Stillwater at all costs because uh the oan controversy was uh pretty prevalent last year um right. i i've always been kind of like you in that i'm not scared to say like hey osu is not doing something that's totally correct like from an osu perspective if you're a fan you you really don't want to see that especially if you're um following someone who you know for me i i write for pistols firing so you expect like an orange tinted view of things and absolutely that's not always the case and i think both of us have have done really from my perspective have done a good job of kind of telling it like it is and saying like hey oh she's had a really good season gundy has still screwed a few things a few things up here or there and just like calling it as it is so um in that sense, I feel like we have a lot in common. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's good. To, it's good to catch up with you. And I'm glad that you were able to, uh, ask me to come on the podcast. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate your time. And, you know, I think that, um, the telling it like it is thing I, I told, I was telling Tatum Bell this the other day. Uh, and I, I think I pissed him off too. Like if someone said to me, Sam, you can cover, uh, all of college football, but Oklahoma state or, just cover Oklahoma State, which one would you choose? And I would say all of college football without a question, yeah. right? I'm from, I'm from Youngstown, Ohio, man. I'm from the cradle of coaches. You know, I'm a Steel Valley kid. And college football and football in general is a way of life for us, just like it is in Texas for a lot of kids. And, and uh, I love this game more than anything. I think it's God's gift to men. And I think that uh, what I've done in the last eight years covering the Oklahoma Sooners has been uh, as fun as anything I've ever done. And I think a lot of it is, you know, for OSU fans out there that say, how could he say that? Well, I'm also part of that group that beat OU twice and probably should have beat him the third time my senior year. You know, I, the head coach is from my hometown. Uh, a lot of those guys that I played against are good buddies of mine now. And, and I don't have that uh, animosity that so many OSU fans and former OSU players have from never beating the Sooners and never, not only did we beat them, but we beat them when they were national champions. You know what I mean? So, I, I walked through that room and through that stadium and that press box with my head held high. I don't, and those people respect me on that level. And right now, if I needed something in Norman, 
uh, a coach or a somebody available for me, I feel more confident calling them than I would ever Oklahoma State. And that's not necessarily because of Gavin Lang or any, anybody else, but the last time I was in Stillwater to press box, I got kicked out during a Bedlam game because Sam Bradford goes tumbling into the end zone uh, for a touchdown run, and I lost my shit. Yet, you know, screamed out, son of a bitch, and, and uh, Kevin Clintworth kicked me out of the press box. And I'm like, what do you do? You know what I mean? Like, and so I want, and that's an old grudge. I need to just drop. I knew I need to get over that uh, situation, and I will for sure. Um, but yeah, man, I'm excited about this new era. I'm excited about the podcast and getting it up and going. And I'm excited to have you on uh, with me as we had a lot to talk about. But I, I really wanted to kind of, once again, not only do I want to get to know you, but for the listeners who don't know Kyle Boone, um, you've got uh, quite the story going on in your, in your life, your personal life. Obviously, you're a writer for CBS Sports, which is in- incredible. You're very talented at what you do. I get to hang out with a bunch of writers uh, these days as I work with John Hoover in Tulsa and mm-hmm. uh, Ryan Chapman's a good buddy of mine. So I have an appreciation for the written word. And I'm also that guy that, like, when I go to a hotel, I wake up in the morning early, abandon the kids and the fam, head down to the lobby, and search for paper. I want to feel it. You know what I mean? I want to be yep. in Dallas and, and pick up the morning news. And I want a, a New York Times or a USA Today. So I appreciate the written word, especially when it comes to sports, because sometimes you can even say more with the pen than you can vocally. And so I'm a pre- I appreciate your work and the job that you do. I think you do Thank an you. excellent job. Thanks, um, so let's, uh, let's start with you. You know, the CBS Sports, you're, 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 you're writing for them now, but you have a personal journey going on. Uh, battling cancer, uh, which is, you know, kind of, uh, uh, I'm close to the situation because my fiance, which her last job was at the Oklahoma Proton Center. So I've, I've got a, a more of a, I think more than the average bears knowledge of, of cancer and, and how it's treated. But can you give us a little bit of insight of on how you're doing and, and how is everything going and what's, what's the story? Yeah. Um, I'll give you like the quick rundown. So, um, January, February, March, um, I was diagnosed with testicular cancer. Um, and so they removed my left, left testicle. They put me on what's called BEP chemo. I did one round of BEP chemo in April, um, and took six months to recover, um, had scans, I guess it was last month. They found that the cancer had returned in both my lungs. Um, so I started what's called TIP chemo. I think it is tip chemo. Um, Started that earlier this month. Um, I'll do four rounds of TIP chemo over the next like six weeks or so. Um, And basically I'll be in the hospital for five or six days. um, Each time I'm going through uh, the, the chemo cycle so they can monitor me and make sure like, you know, that I'm handling it. Okay. And they can check my vitals every 15 seconds and do all that stuff. Um, and so, yeah, um, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Um, I'm actually at home this week, which I'm thankful for. I'll be at home for Christmas. Um, I'm getting admitted back into the hospital on Monday for the second cycle of chemo. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been, I mean, like from a personal perspective, it's been, it's been really, really tough. Um, last year, our daughter was diagnosed with a, a form of epilepsy. Um, and that happened in December. And so we were, you know, praying, like, we just want a healthy daughter. We want her to, to grow up and be happy. And she went through a steroid cycle for like six weeks. Um, 
totally symptom free. She, she doesn't have seizures anymore. Like we were so thankful and excited about that. And then as soon as she was cleared that same week, um, was the week that I had, I got diagnosed. So it's been, honestly, it's just been like a year from hell. Honestly, it's just been just a total marathon. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's been, it's been really tough to be honest. You know, it's just, it's scary. You know, as a, as a dad, I just want to grow up and watch my daughter be happy, you know, and I, I want to have a family. And from that, from that, from that perspective, it's just been, it's, it's just been really tough. Um, you know, I'm thankful for the support that I've got. Um, I got a lot of support from OSU fans and they have, they've really showed up in a big way. And I think that's kind of helps sustain us, honestly, because our family is really struggling. So um, I haven't been working much from, you know, just the fact that I've, I've been going through chemo, been in, in and out of the hospital, but um, they're still optimistic that I can fully recover. The statistics are like two out of three people get cured um, through this process, through this chemo. And uh, it's not the same statistic as, uh, as I was given like six months ago, but it's right. still more likely than not that I'll be cured. So just trying to uh, cling to some hope and Honestly, I'm just trying not to cry on the Sam A's podcast, which is really weird. So, yeah. No, it's, it's, <laughs> this, is a, this is a safe place. That's for darn sure. You know, I, I've been working on the whole, you, you do radio for so long that you become a, uh, almost a character in your own life. Yep. And people have this expectation for me to act the way that they heard me act on the radio. The reality is, you know, I, I love um, art and I love music and I love plays and orchestras. And, you know, like I'm just kind of a different cat than... Uh, a lot of people think that I am, but this is definitely a safe place for that. Your your family is beautiful. Your wife and daughter are absolutely uh, stunning. How old's your little girl? She'll be two in February. So two yeah, February. very mm -hmm. cool. Yep. Well, I'm wishing yep. you and your family a very merry Thanks. Christmas and happy holidays. Um, is there a way that people can get involved with your life right now, as far as just support? Um, you know, whether it's a GoFundMe or uh, whatever you like. I've got an Enable Sam. Uh, button in my link tree in my in my bio so is there anything yeah. that we can kind of throw out there so people know where they can go yeah there is um there's a, there's a gofundme that's out there um i think it's pinned on my on my twitter profile okay um i think we're we were in the process of closing that uh, i don't know if you can still contribute to it or not um you can send money i mean if you want to send money um if you're if you go to my twitter profile i think you can send like through cash app or venmo or something cool. um there's a there's a uh, a meal train that a pistols firing uh, reader set up for us that is out there somewhere um i can i can try and send a link out or there's probably a link out there but yeah that's i mean that's pretty much it um as far as support i mean you know i i appreciate all prayers and you know that that's kind of what we're asking for right now is just uh, well wishes and, and prayers and, and hoping that we can get through this. Well, you definitely have the prayers from, we are, we are a praying family in this household. There's no doubt about it. Then uh, there's no better time of the year for those prayers for sure. So, all right, let's, uh, let's dive into this. We're Oklahoma yeah. state guys. Uh, the Cowboys have exceeded expectations in every way uh, this season. We'll talk a little bit about the football after we talk about the recruiting, uh, but Gundy's been great this season. And I don't, I don't care what people say. This version of Mike Gundy is not the same version that we've had in the last five years, period. Every little thing that he does is very pro Oklahoma State, right? There's every single narrative coming out of his mouth is about Cowboy football today and tomorrow, and I'm thrilled about that. And when you look at this recruiting class, especially the in-state kids, and we'll start there, 
They've got eight guys here in the state that you've got to be thrilled about, right? Starting with uh, Talon and, and Tabri Sheltron here out of Edmond, Santa Fe, which is about a mile from my house right down the road. Yep. Those kids are extremely talented. Talon, obviously, the uh, the, the four-star, what, top 15 in position receiver, but what a great gift for Mike Gunn. It's, it's pretty unreal. Um, when you look at this class, like, for example, if you go to the 247 commitment page, the top three commitments um, are, are four-star recruits. Two of them are from the state of Oklahoma. One of them is a top 100 player in, in, in Talon Shetron, who's a receiver. He's the highest-rated wide receiver commitment since Des Bryant for Oklahoma state to give you some wow. perspective. I mean, this kid is, is a complete stud. He, he was once committed to OU um, ended up flipping to come to Oklahoma state. And I think it was probably in part because OSU was offer, offering an opportunity for his brother to join as well. But um, it's, it's not like a, Hey, we'll take talent and, and we'll hope that Tabry works out. They really are, are high on both of these, these brothers. Um, Tabry, Tabry's a, a tight end kind of going to play the cowboy back role. And um, he's, he's really, really interesting. Gundy said he thinks he can run under a 4.8, um, is going to get you know above 250 at a, at a playing weight. So uh, in terms of fit, I think he is really going to fit a role um, playing that cowboy back position. And he's, he's just huge, a lot of long-term potential. But um, yeah, the, the state of Oklahoma was really, really fruitful for Oklahoma State this year. You go on down the list. I mean, Braylon Presley was an absolute stud at, at Bigsby. He's going to play slot receiver at Oklahoma State. I think that's pretty interesting. Um, him and his brother are, are going to be a force. Um, and then you just keep going down the list. Deshaun Brown, just an edge rusher that I think they really like. Mason Gilkey, who's going to play receiver. I'm really impressed with how they filled out this class. There's only 17 commitments and signees. So I would expect that they're going to add more, whether that's in the transfer portal or adding, you know, players who, who maybe commit late. Um, but the overall quality of this class, I think is, is most impressive. It's, it's just outside the top 25 in, in national rankings. Right. Uh, it's third in the big 12 uh, on paper. I think they filled a lot of needs and especially at the skill positions um, at, at running back and in at receiver. Uh, I think you have to, be, you have to be pretty darn excited uh, given the talent that is coming into this program. Eight kids out of the state of Oklahoma in this recruiting class out of the 17. We mentioned Talon and Tabry Sheltron, Deshaun Brown out of Choctaw, Oklahoma, a defensive end, four-star kid, right? Correct? Uh, yeah, Deshaun is just outside the four-star range, it looks like. Okay. But yeah, he's, he's, he's a borderline. Like, they, they view him pretty highly. Um, he's the, he's the highest-rated three-star in this class. Dalil Johnson, this is a kid out of Putnam City that I covered a year ago as I was on mm-hmm. their, uh, uh, their color commentary team, and, and he's fantastic. Long, lean. We're going to talk about a body that can put on a bunch of weight. And as I'm watching him play a year ago, I'm thinking somebody from Stillwater has got to call this kid uh, yeah. because you just know how it works around here, right? It's amazing how fast kids slip through the cracks as they go down to Texas and get picked somebody up or Oklahoma's doing something different. And, you know, this is a guy that ends up at Arkansas and he's an all SEC player. And we're like, well, where yeah. did he go? Why does he leave Oklahoma? Right. So uh, absolutely excited to see Mr. Johnson on this list. You mentioned Braylon Presley and his family, what they bring to the table. How about Mason Gilkey, receiver out of Pahuska, six foot four, one seventy. Pahuska coming up in a big way. I think a lot of it is the pioneer woman, right? There's a little money in Pahuska now, right? Yeah, and and Gilkey, I think was was pretty interesting. I was listening to Gundy's press conference, kind of recapping uh, the class overall. And Gilkey was brought up. You know, he's a six foot four receiver. 
he's at he's out of Pawhuska, right? So he's he's a three star kid. Wasn't really recruited at all. Uh, and in fact, if you look at his his uh, his offer list on two four seven, OSU was really the only program that was after him. And you think, okay, uh, OSU's taking kind of a small town kid, taking a chance on him because he's got some physical tools that are really impressive, but. I think they're really high on this guy and and physically what he brings to the table, he's going to be a developmental type of receiver, not the same class. I don't think as as talent Shetron, but um, physically what I, what I think he can be in a few years is, is really impressive. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Marcel Aitman. He's a really physical receiver. Yeah. And um, so that type of player, I think if you're getting him in this class out of, out of Oklahoma, I think you got to be really excited. All right, let's talk. uh, Let's talk. Do we go through all those guys? C.J. Brown, that's who I wanted to ask you about. C.J. Brown running back out of bags. Is he a, he's a four-star kid? Four-star kid. Yeah, they get two four-star running backs in this class. One is Crazy. Ollie Gordon. The other is C.J. Brown. Um, Ollie Gordon, as a senior, rushed for 2,300 yards. Um, kid out of Texas. And then C.J. Brown was a state champion in track um, at, at bags. He rushed for 2,100 yards as a senior this last season. So, they're getting two two running backs who rush for over two thousand yards as a senior. In, t- in terms of production, these guys are complete studs. And Ollie Gordon, I think, is the headliner. He's the guy that I think um, Mike Gundy sees as kind of like the bell cow of this class. He's he's going to play like around two thirty, um, which is just huge. And C.J. Brown is the guy who I think is going to be kind of the scat back. He weighed around 170. I think he's he's going to play like around 190, but he's going to end up being kind of that home run hitter. He's got elite speed, can hit the hit the hole and go. Kind of reminds me, I guess, a little bit of what LD Brown has brought to the table right. over the last few years. Just kind of a home run hitter type of player. Um, but both of those guys, I think, are are huge additions. And getting CJ Brown out of out of Beggs, I think, was was uh, was huge as well. I think keeping that Beggs pipeline going because Beggs has over the years, over the past few years, at least produced um, a lot of really talented players. So Ollie is six, two also, right? Yeah. Like he's like that. So I, I watched a video of him recently catching a pass over what looked like a mini human. And someone said to me, you know, that's, that's the uh, Oklahoma state's running back. Commit. I was like, you mean receiver? Like I just dismissed him. I mean, you mean that's yes. a receiver? They're like, Oh no, that's, that's the running back. And it, I honestly can say I played with three extremely talented backs and Tatum Bell, Vernon Marinci, and, and Seymour Shaw out of out of uh, Shawnee. And Seymour is probably the one that, you know, when I watch Ollie play, that's the that's the the the, the mold, right? Just big yep. physical. Uh, but with these two guys, CJ Brown and Ollie combined, it's like a real thunder and lightning type of one two punch that yep. they bring to the table. And there's something to be said about having the versatility to bring in a heavy back when you need them. Lord knows they could have needed them down in, in Dallas for the Big 12 uh, championship game, right? Just to have yeah. somebody in there that you can hand it to and just hope that he blows the hole up. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's one heck of an acquisition for them. Two forced-down running backs for the Cowboys is big is big news. Yeah, and Ollie, Ollie is the guy that – he's that dude in this class. Like, I think he could have easily been the top-rated recruit out of this class, if, if obviously, if not for, for Talon. Um, he's, he is a player who has been productive – basically every way that Trinity has used him. Um, they, they run him out of the backfield. 
they they use him kind of in the slot as a as a receiver. And you mentioned there's highlights out there. If you if you go search on Twitter, you can find highlights of him either mossing people playing receiver or just mowing over people as a running back. Like this right. dude is super talented. So I don't think they're gonna box him in and say, okay, you're gonna be like our first and second down back and CJ Brown, you're gonna play third downs. Like it's possible Ollie is just that guy. He's the guy who plays all downs. They run him out of the backfield. They use him as like kind of a, a pass catcher almost. Um, it's it's going to be really interesting. I don't think they've had a, a running back um, that has been like this highly regarded probably since DeAndre Glass. And DeAndre Glass did not work out. He he right. was um, a really highly touted recruit, but just it didn't it ended up working out. But uh, Ollie, I think, has a chance to be special out of this out of this class. And I think in terms of running back, they really need that because Desmond Jackson, as we know, has has reportedly entered the transfer portal. Um, Jalen is, is, uh, is going to be gone here soon. And so getting that, that running back room again, flush with talent, I think is really important. This guy is a really young stud who I think can develop into a really quality back at OSU. All right. Let's talk about the two most important positions on the football field. We'll go quarterback first and then we'll go offensive line. Yeah. Uh, tell me about this Garrett Wrangle kid out of Frisco, Texas, six foot two, 170 pounds, uh, three-star quarterback. Yep. Uh, Gundy is, Gundy's got a it's it's hard to this is the one position where I'm I'm looking at him going which way do you want to go here right do you want Mason Rudolph do you want right. Brandon Whedon or is, is Zach Robinson and Spencer Sanders more the mold that you're looking for I would tell you in 2021 that you got to have somebody that can at least save his own ass it might not be a yep. part of the game but if you look down to Norman this year Spencer Rattler had a whole hard time saving his ass, right? Yep. You got to have somebody that can move a little bit. So tell me this kid is a, tell me this kid is a pure passer, but it's got some wheels when he needs them. He's, he's a pure passer and he's mobile, but he's not a dual threat. I, he's okay. not going to be the guy that um, is running, you know, RPOs and they're, they're running him like Spencer Sanders. He, he's not that guy, pal. Um, but he, he has a really strong arm. He's six foot two. He was a three-year starter in high school. Um, he's a little thin. I think Gundy even acknowledged that like he, he needs to add some weight. He needs to really develop. I would imagine, um, that he joins the program and the plan is for him to redshirt. He needs to add to his frame. He's got a great frame, but he needs to add to it and he's add muscle. Um, he's a really interesting prospect that I think OSU has been really high on for a long time. And even going back a year, I was kind of banging my fist saying, what are you doing? Mike Gundy, you need to add a quarterback to your recruiting class. And last year they punted on the position. They, they decided, Hey, we're going to take Gunnar Gundy as a walk-on and we're going to hope that Spencer Sanders develops into a better quarterback. We're going to hope that Shane Ellingworth can, can take a leap as a backup. Um, but they really kind of put all their eggs in, in the basket of Garrett Rangel and said, Hey, we think we can get this guy. We think he can be a difference maker. And We'll see what happens. Um, I think they're really high on his long-term potential. Not entirely sure he's going to play right away. Um, but then again, you've got Spencer coming back. You have to think that they have some time to develop, and we'll see what happens. But, yeah, in terms of uh, just how they view him, I think that they decided a long time ago that they were going to just in invest all of their efforts in Garrett Rangel in the hopes that he can be that guy for the future, and we'll see how it pans out. Rangel, is that it? Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. Very cool. Good stuff. All right. Garrett, so, uh, Garrett with one T. Garrett with one T, Rangel. Yep. Sounds a little bit fancy. I yeah, like it. it is. It's special. It must be Italian. Um, all right. Let's talk offensive line here. 
Uh, you got to give Mike Gundy a ton of credit. I feel like this is the one thing that he's got that 99% of college coaches do not have. The guy is magnificent at damage control in the offensive line. He will trot five guys out there that individually can't block a soul and somehow, some way, find a way to get them to the point that they're running the ball successfully and have enough time to throw it. He's been masterful at it. This is another year where I would have told you after the first two games, that group is going to struggle mightily to get a couple mm-hmm. of guys back healthy. And sure enough, the identity of the Cowboys is ground and pound football. What? Where yeah. does that even come from? So, uh, but I think we all can acknowledge that a little beefing up would help. You, you know, we watch that, uh, that big 12 championship game right there in the middle, you know, your, your backup center, he had a day. He, 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 had, he, you know, he was handled a little bit. And when it mattered the most, they could not push that Baylor defensive front off the line of scrimmage, which did obviously led to them losing that football game. So uh, they, they, I don't know that they go after, is this any, is there anybody on this list that's an interior offensive lineman? Because I'm looking at just big, tall, gangly looking dudes. Tyrone Weber, six foot five, uh, 290 out of Roswell, New Mexico. And then Calvin Harvey is an absolute monster at six, eight, 328 pounds out of Missouri city, Texas. Which one of those guys you like the most? I mean, I don't, I don't think there's any interior offensive lineman in this class. Um, I like Tyrone Weber a lot, though, a lot. Uh, he's, he's coming out of New Mexico Military Institute. He's an offensive tackle. He's like 6'6", 300. Would not surprise me at all if he is just a plug-and-play starter next season. Oh, um, I, th- okay. I think he, he's that dude. Um, he's, he's coming from the JUCO ranks. He, he's, ar- he's already produced at a really high level outside of, outside of high school. Um, the other guys I think are probably going to end up being more developmental players. Um, the one that you mentioned, I think is pretty interesting. Car- Calvin Harvey, six foot eight, 330 pounds. Um, if he has any technique at all, like there's a chance that he's just a difference maker um, at, at right. offensive tackle. And, and we'll see, I'm not good at evaluating offensive line. That's, that's more your expertise. Um, I've watched him and he, he, he looks just massive. I think he probably needs to figure some things out, but um yeah, Char- I mean Charlie Dickey, the offensive line coach at, Oklahoma, at Oklahoma State, I think is probably, if you ask people around Oklahoma State, they they review him as easily like the most sound developmental coach at Oklahoma State. And you could give Charlie Dickey five guys and say, hey, we need to block up front and we need to do this scheme and we need to run for 150 yards every single game. And I think Charlie Dickey's just going to find a way. So. I trust that the evaluations are good in this class. Um, Tyrone, I, th- I think, is the most interesting prospect just because I think he could end up making a difference right away. Um, but they've they've got guys coming back next year that I think this offensive line is going to be pretty good. They've recruited pretty well over the last few years. I don't think they've really missed on a bunch of guys. And so, yeah, at the, at the end of the season, obviously against Baylor, Baylor's defensive line was just nasty. And they got right. exposed a little bit up front. Um, and obviously you get a half of a yard more from Desmond Jackson at the goal line. And maybe we're not even discussing this at all. Right. But, um, but, uh, but yeah, like, I, I think this is a pretty good offensive line group in terms of a player who could compete right away. And then guys who have some long-term potential as well. Last one. I missed, I missed a guy here and this is the same kid out of, uh, out of the same school, right? As Frisco, Texas, this is Austin. Am I going to butcher this? Austin uh, Kowecki? Yes. Yeah. I nailed it? Yep. I, th- nice. I think so. Yeah, All right. I think so. Austin Kowecki is also a, I guess, a tackle, a 6'5", yeah. 265, clearly a project player at that weight. Yeah. 
But uh, kind of cool that the quarterback, Garrett Durangel, gets to bring uh, one of his uh, high school teammates with him, right? Or were they high school teammates or no? They're from Frisco. I actually think uh, Austin is it goes to a different high school, but oh, okay. wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me if they know each other. Um, it's it's pretty interesting. Garrett is um, he's from Lone Star. His former running back, whose name totally escapes me, signed in in the last recruiting class with Oklahoma State, and um, I talked with him when he right before he signed last year, and the the scouting report on on Garrett Ringel. I know we've already talked about the quarterback, but everyone loves talking about the quarterback. He's a really interesting, like, um, basically I think he is what he's the type of recruit that you would get. If Mike Gundy went into a lab and decided I would like to make a recruit, like totally selfless, doesn't say a word, um, excellent teammate, like just always in the lab, like studying, trying to get better. This is the type of quarterback. I think like a type of player really that you want to bet on, um, he's obviously been very productive at the, at the high school level was a three-year starter, but, um, the, his former teammates love him. I think he fits like the culture and I know that's kind of like a buzzword, but he's a guy that I think is, is going to be like just beloved in the locker room. And if you can get him to develop, I think physically, um, he's, he's again, like I'm, I'm pretty in on get Rangel. I think he's going to be a really good quarterback. It's just going to take him some time, but, uh, the scouting report on him from from you know people that I've talked to and, and even Gundy was was basically like we we really like this guy we think he is our future and uh, if you're obviously I think it's 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 more than coach speak like obviously he's going to say that but I really think that they're um, they're pretty high on him and they think really highly of him um, and and kind of what he can develop at the at the quarterback position for OSU. Very cool. Well, I appreciate all the uh, recruiting information for sure. I, I have always struggled keeping up with it just because I think that, and I'm from a different era, and I hate to say that because it makes me sound old, but recruiting was, it, it wasn't worth really learning the recruits' names until after camp. Yep. Because camp, when I played, there were three at eight, and they were outside, and the Oklahoma summer would break you. And there'd be like four kids that we saw day one that we didn't see at the end of camp. And so it's like, it was like a survival period for us. Now times have changed and recruiting is a big business and big news and all those things. And I'm just kind of jumping in with both feet uh, as I get uh, deeper into this, this media game on my own. Um, But uh, yeah, no, that's, you know, obviously a class that you can be proud of. I have one of my biggest complaints from Mike Gundy over the last decade has been, how do you win a big 12 championship in 2011? And then there'd just be just lackluster average recruiting for the whole decade like there wasn't a boost there wasn't a burst there wasn't that moment when you're like finally you know they've stepped through the window right they've gotten through and they've uh, they burst onto the scene there wasn't that moment for Oklahoma State football after that big 12 championship so I feel like uh, this class is is big time and and looks like the season did right it looks like uh, they should have those four stars it looks like a team that should be picking up some of those elite level talent defenders so I'm excited for for Mike Gundy and the job that he did, especially here in the state of Oklahoma, which is huge. Yeah, and Gundy, even at his press conference last week, um, he was kind of summing up the class and saying, like, we have X amount of four stars. And that's, I think, how we evaluate it is, like, how many four stars you got? How many difference makers are you adding to the program? Because that ultimately, I think, is going to end up paying dividends on whether or not you end up winning conference titles or how many games you end up winning. Um, But... I think more to the point they're they're adding guys who fit their system. They feel like culturally they're good fits. And in this class in particular, um, 
I think they're also getting like highly touted guys. That has not necessarily been the case under Mike Gundy. They've always prioritized like fit or like they'll add a, a linebacker who they think can play safety. And they're just kind of piecing things together. But this class actually feels like Gundy and his staff put a lot of effort into it and saying, Hey, we think we can go out and get some studs in this class. And if you are an OSU fan, you have to like that because obviously that has been really one of the only sticking points under Gundy is, Hey, he's a great coach. He's a great developer, but can he recruit? And does he care about recruiting? I feel like he answered that question in this class and saying, Hey, I do care about recruiting. I'm a good recruiter. Yes, I'm getting older, but I'm getting a little bit better. Last year in the 2021 class on a per commitment basis, um, the average ranking was 86.6. This is according to 247 Sports. That was the highest of the Mike Gundy era. This class, 87.57 on a per commitment basis. It's the highest per commitment average of the Gundy era by far, and by far the highest per commitment average basically since recruiting rankings were involved at Oklahoma state. So um, it depends on how much eggs you want to put in the, the recruiting stars basket, which I actually put quite a bit in. I, I really think if you're an OSU fan, you have to be pretty excited because yeah, there's only 17 players. The, the quality, the, the quantity isn't quite there yet. They're going to have to continue to add. Um, but in terms of quality, like this is, this is a, this could end up being like a difference making class and in, in the class that we look back on in a few years and say, wow, like, this class actually changed like the trajectory of the program. Now, I don't want to get ahead of myself. We'll see how some of these players pan out. I think you have to hit on the quarterback. You have to hit on at least one of the receivers and probably the running back. But um, yeah, I, th- I think um, right now, as we sit, this class looks, uh, looks pretty solid on paper. Now, I could talk football with you all day, so, and, and, but we, we don't have time for that. Uh, so we're not going to look back at the season, but we are going to look ahead towards yep. the festival as they take on Notre Dame, the Sam Mace podcast is going to hit the road and cover this game. We're actually covering both in-state bowl games. We're we'll heading down to San Antonio uh, to cover the Sooners. I think we're leaving them the 26th. And then the exact, I think the day after that game, we'll drive out to uh, Tempe to cover the Fiesta Bowl. This is a huge opportunity for Mike Gundy, a huge opportunity for Oklahoma State, uh, and a huge opportunity for Oklahoma State fans. You know, I would, as somebody who is a, a college football diehard, um, I'll tell you this when, for me, back in, back in the day, when I was in school, when Nebraska showed up, we put on suits, when Notre Dame showed up, we put on suits, when the Buckeyes showed up, we put on suits. Those were our three teams that in the seal Valley conference, we respect the most. And I, I truly do believe that when you talk about, you know, college football royalty, Notre Dame is one of those programs that it, it brings a spectacle with them from the, the band the, the, the crowd, the fans, the Golden Dome helmets, all of it. It's something to see. So if you can go, I would encourage you to go uh, check out the Notre Dame Fire, Fighting Irish from, you know, in a, in a few days worth of interacting with their fan base and then obviously watching the big game on, on January 1st. But uh, just some, you know, real quick thoughts from you on, on how this game looks. I mean, I'm, I'm not feeling bad about it by any means. I think you have a couple of teams that are probably pretty evenly matched here. And I think it's going to come down to Spencer Sanders being that X factor for Oklahoma State. Yeah, it feels like that's kind of the – this is what it comes down to every single game is OSU's defense you know is, is going to come out and play. Um, you, you probably expect that whoever is carrying the ball, probably Jalen Warren, is going to end up having a pretty good game on the ground. You have to hope that Spencer Sanders makes good decisions with the football. And that's kind of what we all anticipated would be kind of the – X factor in the big 12 title game. 
he had a really bad game. He had several interceptions and it ended up costing them. So um, I think if he plays a safe game against Notre Dame, OSU should come out and win. I actually like OSU's chances in this game, but, um, but we'll see. I think there's, there's a lot at play here that behind the scenes is it makes this a pretty interesting uh, matchup. First of all, Brian Kelly left. He left for, for right. LSU. So they're, they're bringing in a new coach. Uh, so that's pretty interesting. Um, it's, it's kind of the first chance I think for these Notre Dame players to play for their new coach. And I would imagine they'll be pretty fired up. I imagine the coach will be pretty motivated to make a statement in his first kind of official appearance as a head coach. Um, and then two, there's, there's a lot of Notre Dame players, like an, a, several Notre Dame stars who have already opted out and are preparing for the NBA, for the NFL draft. So that I think is pretty interesting as well. Um, there's, there's going to be several players who, who would have been just game changers for Notre Dame who will not be part of this game. So um, OSU, I think has a really good chance, probably if Spencer Sanders doesn't turn the ball over. Um, I think that uh, it's going to come down to probably that and how well the OSU defense looks. I would imagine that they come out and play pretty well, especially given how uh, the Big 12 title game kind of unfolded in uh, in Arlington. But we'll see. Um, I think it's a pretty evenly matched game, and uh, it's a good chance, I think, for OSU and for Mike Gundy to kind of showcase themselves on a big stage against a big brand. Uh, there's going to be a lot of people watching this game and uh, so it's uh, it's it's one of the better, I think, January first uh, games of the year. So it's a it's a it's a prime time matchup. I'm excited to watch this game. Kyle Boone, CBS Sports. Thank you so much for your time, my friend. I appreciate you. You got it. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, man.